0: Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Kind of a depressing episode today, guys. So just get ready for it. Before we get into all that, just want to make sure to remind you guys to go ahead and leave us a positive five-star review. So wherever you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, which I just discovered is a large part of audience as well. Thank you guys. Everywhere that you can leave a review, please do that. The algorithm loves that. Also, I try to remind you guys all the time that we are a donation supported ministry. We do get some money from ads, but it's overwhelmingly guys like you giving twenty bucks a month, fifty bucks a month, hundred bucks a month to help us to create the content that we create. We've got a lot of stuff coming for 20. 2023 all that stuff costs money everything we do costs money we need guys like you to partner with us to be support this content also just want to remind you that we are partnered with origin main so guys they make the best jujitsu geese in the game they've got boots they've got jeans they've also got everything on the Jocko fuel side so that's the you know the Jocko go energy drink he's got the supplements he's got the greens he's got everything but the big thing i wanted to tell you about that so don't just you know ignore me through this ad We have a new promo code because apparently some jack wagon put my old promo code on some like random promo code website. So the code is no longer Kyle. Okay. The code to get 10% off of your order at originmain.com is now undaunted. Okay. I know that's not a word that you use all the time. I know it's not a word that maybe everybody can spell, but if you can find this show, If you can suggest this show to another person via text, you can use the code Undaunted, U-N-D-A-U-N-T-E-D. Guys, that will all be in the show notes. So again, originmain.com, originusa.com, geese, boots, jeans, greens, supplements, the whole nine yards. Use the promo code Undaunted to get 10% off over there. And then, guys, if you're watching this on YouTube or on Rumble, you might be wondering, "Well, well, Kyle, why does your face look so unbelievably amazing? Because if you're not watching me in person right now, if you're just listening to me, I've got a Fu Manchu going, not a handlebar mustache because people are like, oh, nice handlebar. No, 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 no. Handlebars are where they come off and they kind of got the curly Q thing. This is a Fu Manchu, okay? This is a manly Western mustache, okay? And the reason why I'm wearing this is not just because it looks awesome. Like I said on social media a couple of days ago, it's not because there's going to be a reboot of Tombstone and I want to be Wyatt Earp. No, the reason why. Is because of movember okay so some people do no shave november i do movember that is mustache november this started i forget whenever it started but it was basically like a prostate cancer or testicular cancer awareness thing for men because a lot of men even when they notice things are going wrong with their bodies they don't go get it checked out even when they know something's going wrong you know in their minds they don't get it checked out they basically don't take care of themselves in terms of their their overall health and what Movember does is they try to get the word out about mental health about suicide prevention about testicular cancer about prostate cancer specifically for men and I and I guess I can mention this now but I've mentioned before on this podcast that people very very close to me have struggled with prostate cancer but as of very very recently my father who was one of the people that I was mentioning that was very very close to me he actually is a cancer survivor so he has beaten prostate cancer. It is in remission. All that's great. Uh, Thank you to all of you guys that were praying for this random person without actually knowing them by name. But part of the thing is, guys, is you've got to get your checkups. I know that once you hit the age of 40, there's subsequent checkups that you have to do. And a lot of those things are uncomfortable and you don't necessarily want another guy, you know, sticking things where they haven't gone before and everything like that. But again, I'm going to look like this. I'm going to look ridiculous and drive my wife crazy for a month with this mustache so that I can help bring awareness to the Movember movement, but also to guys to make sure that they stay healthy. So, in terms of today's episode no quick hitters today there's just not going to be time for it maybe next week we'll do all quick hitters we'll have to see how everything shakes out because we're going to be sending the entire show discussing how the red tsunami that we were sold was coming turned into the red whimper okay so as it stands right now i'm recording this at just afternoon on wednesday the 9th okay so i'm going to be releasing this here in, in a few hours or something like that there are many races that have not officially been called yet OK, but this is where we stand right now. Again, it's twelve eighteen on November the 9th, Wednesday, November the 9th. OK, the Republicans look like they are going to take the United States House of Representatives, but only barely. We're talking like four, five, six seat majority, which for a lot of legislation that could possibly go through, Republicans don't just stay as that, you know, unified voting block. So that's not a very sizable majority. Also, the most likely scenario at this point for the United States Senate is that it stays 50-50 split because it's been 50-50 split this entire time, which means Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris can come in and, and do the 51st vote to break any tie. It looks like right now, by all the available metrics and data and polling and you know whatever, it's going to stay 50-50 split. The second most likely scenario is that Republicans will actually lose a seat to make it a 51-49 majority for Democrats. Lose a seat and then the, the third most likely scenario is 51-49 Republicans, but, but people aren't really feeling like that's going to happen. And guys, this is after every political pollster, all of them, every pundit, liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, all of them predicted that the Republican Party would get a sizable advantage in the House and take the U.S. Senate outright. This is after all of that. Guys, the reality of last night and into this morning is that no matter how you slice it, this was a disastrous night for the Republican Party, a disastrous night, okay? This election was legitimately disastrous for Republicans considering what was on the line and considering the low-hanging fruit that was available during this election cycle. To have a president that is so unbelievably unpopular, to have the, the country in the state of disarray that it is and to not be able to take advantage of that. So the red tsunami that we were promised never materialized. The red wave, That we were promised was nothing. It didn't actually happen. It simply was a red whimper. That is all we got. Now, we're going to do a full breakdown of all this stuff, and we're going to look at a lot of these races, but before we get to all that depressing news, let's start off with something positive. I mean, guys, I tell you all the time, I'm a very pessimistic guy, but let's start off with something positive. The state of Oklahoma, my state, apparently understood the assignment. OK, because Republicans swept all the major races in Oklahoma. So Mark Wayne Mullen, who is a friend of mine and a friend of this show, he won Jim Jim Inhofe's old U.S. Senate seat by around 26 points, 26 points an absolute shellacking. We want to thank Mark Wayne Mullen for coming on this show. We're so happy that we were able to help him because a lot of people during uh, the election process for the runoff they actually switched their votes from TW Shannon to Mark Wayne Mullen because of the show that's a lot of the feedback that we got but we're so happy for him and we're happy with the stuff that we're going to be doing with him in the future James Langford who uh, was already in the United States Senate he won his uh, re-election bid by around 32 points Kevin Stitt the incumbent governor won re-election by around 14 points and Ryan Walters won election for superintendent of Public Instruction by about 13 points now here's the thing uh, I'll say about Okies before I move on <clears throat> so if you went on liberal Okie Twitter or on just anybody's Facebook for people here in the state of Oklahoma, there was a lot of lamenting what happened in the state of Oklahoma. Oh, you know, Oklahoma's so raggedy and we're so backwards and we're doing all these terrible things. And why do we keep electing people that hate teachers and why this and why that? And the funny thing about what was happening in the state, there were a lot of people that were convinced that Joy Hofmeister was actually going to win the governor's seat over Kevin Stitt. And again, she lost by 14 points, but the polling in the, la- the weeks before the election was showing that she was up six or seven points. Now, Mark Boyne Mullen actually called me one day and explained to me, Hey, part of the reason why those polls are showing that is because they're essentially, and to put it in layman's terms, they're only talking to first time voters. So these are people that, you know, this is the first election they're able to legally vote in because of their age. Maybe they're a young teacher or maybe they're, you know, just a first time registered voter because they're so excited about joy or some other candidate or something like that. And when you over, you know, select for that population, you're going to get wildly skewed statistics about what's actually going to happen on the ground. And so the thing that I have to say to people in Oklahoma that are lamenting, and there's not a whole lot of people that listen to this show that are lamenting that, but just in case they are listening. Is you keep complaining. About how red this state is, you keep complaining about how every single county will vote red in the general elections and all these different things, and and you're so angry about the state of this and the state of that. Why do you still live here? Now, I don't want you to leave. Like, you know, it's okay to have the people with differing point of views and all that, and I think that's great for an overall populace. But why do you live here if you hate it so much? It's a little bit different when it's like, hey, why do you live in the United States? Just go move somewhere else. It's really not that easy. But in in America if you live in Oklahoma, you can easily move anywhere, right? And so if you like what's going on in San Francisco and in Chicago and in Austin and in Washington, D.C. and in Boston and in New York City, then go. Like, no one is keeping you here. If you're lamenting how people don't love uh, everything that you love and how they apparently hate teachers if they don't think that we can pay teachers with fairy dust and unicorn farts, then just bounce, man. Like, nobody is begging you to stay but you just want to sit here and scream at the sky and do all these different random things. Like I'm just not into it. It's like, stop complaining and do something about it. If you can't get your people elected. And if that's just something that you can't live with, there are other options for you. Okay. So guys to dig into the generalized election, I got a bunch of random thoughts. And what's funny is I had a bunch of random thoughts before the election and I had to delete them because I was like, man, I thought things were going to go a certain way and they just didn't go that way. So let's go ahead and dig in here. Even though they lost the house, Uh, It's not official yet, but even though we can assume that they lost the House, Democrats across America have to feel amazing about last night's results. And I mean, amazing, because, again, everyone predicted across the spectrum, left and right, everything in between, that they were going to get shellacked last night. And that just didn't happen. And, And what's probably the best for Democrats is that independents were supposed to break heavily for Republicans, and they didn't break for Republicans almost at all. So Republicans, or sorry, independents seemingly split and or just stayed home. So it's almost as if they were looking at the two parties being like, okay, let me evaluate the Democratic Party. Let me evaluate the Republican Party. Let me kind of evaluate where we're at currently in the society and in culture and the economy and all those different things. And what they did was they just kind of went, "Mm, I guess I don't really like either of you. I'm going to sit at home and watch Netflix. That's essentially what independents did. And so if you're a Democrat, if you're a Democratic strategist, you might get the idea that, hey, let's double down on all this woke stuff. Let's double down on all this, you know, abortion and transiting the kids and all that. And that may be the message that you get. And maybe that's going to work for you in the future or maybe it won't. But all you can think is if you're a Democrat this morning, you woke up happy. Now, losing the House. You basically lose the last two years of Joe Biden's presidency from a legislative point of view, but you kept the more important uh, part of Congress, which is the Senate, because of the judicial picks and nominees and things like that. But you've got to be ecstatic if you're a Democrat. Another random thought here is almost all of the hotly contested seats that Republicans were predicted to win or predicted to be really, really close, like fighting where they shouldn't be fighting. They lost almost all of them. So John Fetterman, you know, the, the guy from Sling Blade. He beat Dr. Oz for the U.S. Senate seat in Pennsylvania. Raphael Warnock, he will eventually be the winner of the U.S. Senate seat in in Georgia over Herschel Walker because right now it's within one point, but it doesn't look like Warnock is going to get above 50%. You have to get 50% plus one in the state of Georgia, which is one of the dumbest rules possibly ever. So this will go to a runoff, which actually spells disaster for Herschel Walker because he's not going to be able to get pulled up by any of the other candidates like the governor's candidate there in the state of Georgia who did incredibly well uh, and won that race yesterday. So Wardock will actually win that seat. Hassan, a Democrat, beat Bulldog, or Bulldog uh, for the U.S. Senate seat in New Hampshire. That was supposed to be competitive. It wasn't. Democrat incumbent Kathy Hochul won re-election for the governor of New York over Lee Zeldin. Um, now, that was within about five points, and you know it should have been in the double digits. Some people were pointing that as a good thing, but that was some, some people were actually predicting that Kathy Hochul was going to lose, and she won. Democrat incumbent Gretchen Whitmer won re-election for the governor of Michigan. That was supposed to be a close race, and it wasn't. And there's a bunch of other ones like that, and there's still some others that are to be determined. And it looks like in Arizona, it looks like Kerry Lake might lose. It looks like, uh, you know, by the time this comes out and, you know, hits your ears, maybe some of these things have taken care of themselves, but all those tight races where it looked like Republicans had the majority, they lost. And I mean, all of them, right? And it's just, it's crazy to think about, but they just lost them all. Another random thought is when the Republican party runs serious candidates that are also good candidates, they win. I mean, look at Ron DeSantis last night. So he won his re-election bid for governor in Florida by a historic margin, okay? So he beat his Democratic challenger, Charlie Crist by almost 1.5 million votes, okay? So to put that in perspective, DeSantis won his race for governor four years ago by only 30,000 votes. So in four years, he turned a margin of 30,000 to a margin of 1.5 million votes, okay? now. I'm going to talk a whole lot more about Ron DeSantis later, so stick around for that. But that, him winning by 30,000 votes four years ago, might end up being one of the most consequentially tight governor's races in American history, depending upon, one, upon what DeSantis does into the future, okay? But again, when the Republican Party runs really, really serious candidates in Florida, in Georgia, in some of these other places, Ohio, they're going to win these races, When you have people that are in office that aren't only fighting the culture war, but they're also good governors, good legislators, good, you know, in terms of organizing people to get out to vote and all and registering and all those different things, those people typically win. That should be something that the Republicans should learn from all this. And we'll get way into more here later uh, as to what Republicans should learn from all this nonsense. Another random thought is Democrats had been. Not anymore, but they had been preparing their, you know, the election was stolen from us narrative for weeks. But now they're going to go very, very silent on that. Okay. Because they were ready to talk all about voter suppression. Now, some of the early notes we got were that there was record turnout, but then they were going to somehow argue in the same breath that there's record voter turnout, but also record voter suppression, which doesn't exactly work. But it's going to be amazing to see them now not talk about any of those things because they won, which makes total sense. I'm not faulting them for it. Like, Quit while you're ahead. Once you get the answer you want, stop talking. For any of you guys out there that are in sales, that's some of the best advice that you can get. Once you get the yes, move on to the paperwork. Just kind of keep it going. But these, they, they were so ready with all their different things and they were preparing to basically kick Biden to the curb and none of that's going to happen now. Another random thought is for all their faults, of which there are many, a myriad of faults, there's one thing that you can say about Democrats. They understand the power game. They understand it to a T. The Democratic Party and the Democratic voting base are unified. They are absolutely unified. And they proved in the 2020 general election and in a lot of the elections here this time around that they don't care who they're voting for. They care about the control of power. They care about the pendulum staying swung to their end. There are no such things in the Democratic Party as never Bideners right? There's never Trumpers that are in the Republican side. There's no such thing like that for, for Biden people, or there's not even something similar. Okay. Joe Biden is definitely going to be running for re-election Now that's, that's a certainty. If they got shellacked last night, which they didn't, but if they had, they'd be people talking about him needing to move along and then we're get somebody else in there and he will get the full support when he re when he runs for reelection, he will get the full support of the entire democratic party and the media establishment. But, but I repeat myself, but the thing about it is, is John Fetterman, again, he's, he's not a functioning person, but the people of Pennsylvania decided to just vote for him as a rubber stamp because they knew he would, he's not going to write legis- legislation. He's not going to eventually run for president. This guy is, a, is a, a worthless person in just about any way that you could describe it. He lived at home until he was like 50 years old. He basically didn't have a job. His first job was being like lieutenant governor of the state. And then he had a stroke during the, the primary. And then he comes all the way through. And the people of Pennsylvania are like, yeah, yeah, we, we just want a Democrat. We don't even care. Oh, his brain doesn't work. He can't talk. Doesn't matter. Which again goes back to Republicans. When you run good candidates, like Dr. Oz, Pennsylvania Republicans, what was the plan here exactly? Dr. Oz, Herschel Walker, really? These people in very, very, very winnable races against weak Democrats. You pick those people. Like it's absolutely flummoxing, absolutely shocking. But Democrats apparently don't have a problem getting their base unified, which is should be a a major warning for all Republicans out there for future elections. Now, I know I've been kind of pessimistic here, but let me kind of sneak into a silver lining here. So the silver lining for last night, if if I could figure out a single one, is that the results of that show us that the American public won't be able to blame Republicans for how bad things will be in the next two years. Because the the economy is probably going to take a nosedive into next year. It's already been bad. It's going to be way, way, way worse. It's not just going to turn around magically, okay? And, you know, a lot of the the markets aren't going to like what happened in a lot of these elections. But the biggest problem here that I see is that, okay, we kind of go back to the last point. When you have these individuals that are in Congress, that are in the House, It's going to be hard to blame them if things continue to go wrong because it looks like the Democrats are going to keep the Senate and they certainly still have the White House. Now, legislatively, that does create a little bit of a logjam, which would be appropriate for this time. So that's the one thing that could bode well here for a couple of years from now is that if things continue to get bad, we can still blame Democrats, okay? But the biggest problem is the fact that Republicans performed this badly when there was so much low-hanging fruit in this election cycle. Because, again, it looks like in the House they're going to pick up like maybe 15 seats. And there are people predicting them to, to pick up maybe even double that amount of seats. Like basically if you take Florida and New York off the map for the House, then the Republicans would not have even taken the House. So those two states accounted for the majority of that, you know, 10 or 15 that that the Republicans are going to end up getting in terms of the the seats gained inside the House of Representatives. Okay. So there's my silver lining, but let's get back into some other stuff. Another random thought is, unfortunately, it looks like I may have been proven right on abortion having a major impact on the midterms, okay? Now, this is still to be determined, but I remember saying this summer, and I remember saying, and you know, a lot of people disagreed with me, that abortion was going to be a major thing in people's minds for the midterms. And I was told, no, no one's going to make abortion their major issue. When people rank order their issues, abortion's not even in their top five, even for Democrats. The economy's so bad. Inflation's so bad. The, the, the southern border's non-existent. There's so many other things to worry about. But you have to start digging down and wondering why independence didn't break for Republicans in the way that they did. And why did a lot of these tight races that were supposed to be tight turn into blowouts? I think that social issues made a difference. And here's the other thing. Democrats spent, I think I forget the figure I just heard, but I think it was like $150 million in this one election cycle on abortion ads, convincing women all across the country that if you have a miscarriage, you're going to go to jail if you don't vote for them. That if you need to be treated for an ectopic pregnancy, that you're not going to be able to do that and you're probably going to die unless you vote for them. That unless you want your daughters to not be able to potentially kill their grandchildren, you need to vote for them. Perhaps that worked, guys. Perhaps that worked. Another thing here, Is that Gen Z, I'm trying not to be hyperbolic here whenever I was like preparing my notes, but Gen Z may spell the death of America as we know it. And this is why. When you look at the exit polling, they look at who voted for which party based on their age. Okay, so for the people that are 65 and older, they were plus 13 for Republicans. Okay, so 65 and older, plus 13 for Republicans. For 45 to 64 year olds, plus 11 for Republicans. For 30 to 44-year-olds, plus two for Democrats, but here's the big one. For 18 to 29-year-olds, this is Gen Z, plus 28 for Democrats. For 18 to 29, plus 28 for Democrats. That should be astonishing and terrifying for everybody listening to this. Because you know why that broke so much that way? And again, there are people that are like, oh, just wait until they get out in the real world and wait until they have kids and wait until they whatever. Then, yeah, certainly some of those people are going to turn more conservative. But these have been people that from the moment they were in the government run public schools all the way through their collegiate careers, they were basically steeped in this socialist, communistic, postmodern milieu, which is brew of nonsense. They've been marinated in it. and It's resonating with them. That, can you explain to me how you can walk up to just about any 16-year-old and ask them what they think about socialism or communism, and they have generally good things to say? You ask them about the Holocaust or Mao's China or Pol Pot's Cambodia or any of those types of things, and then they can't answer anything about those places? They don't know anything about what happened in these areas? They don't know about the tens of millions of people that were murdered in the 20th century based on these you know, atheistic, socialist, and communistic uh, organizations and government-run entities? They don't know about those things. But they know about, you know, oh, well, socialism hasn't been done the way we would do it and we can make it better and we can do those different things. So that's an astonishing thing we saw last night is that young people we knew were going to go for Democrats about plus 28 for the 18 to 29 year old cohort. That's astonishing. Another random thought here is most Republicans leading up to the election were talking about how the polling is not going to be right. Okay, so even if you look at the polling, the polling's just not going to be right. You know, they always, uh, they underrepresent the Republicans and conservatives in these things, and a lot of these people are like quiet Republicans. They don't want to answer over the phone what they really think, but once they go in the booth, it'll change. And the thing is, is these people ended up being very, very correct about that. The only problem was that almost all the polling, just days before the election, showed Republicans winning just about every major House and Senate and gubernatorial race, just about all of them, and all that was wrong. I mean, if you listen to Daily Wire or The Blaze or you read Wall Street Journal or you watch Fox News or, or any of these types of things, you were ready and all that polling pointed to one thing that ended up not materializing. So it feels a whole lot like the polling from the 2016 general election, but in the opposite. So this is to say that when you're looking at polls, if you're basing who you're going to vote for based on polls, if you're waiting, uh, you know, waiting for, to see if you should even go out and vote that day based on polling, do not trust the polling. Apparently, polling is impossible to do because nobody does it right. You hear how we constantly have this like churn every eight to twelve years of these polling organizations. It's because they raise all this money, they get all this notoriety, and then they blow it. They're like the weathermen of the political you know establishment. You know weathermen like you know twenty five years ago, where you had to walk outside, lick your finger, stick it up in the air, and guess your best. Right? You didn't have all this radar and all this other stuff. But man, the polling was just super super bad during this cycle. Another random thought here. That Biden said before the election, okay, this is astonishing to think about it. So I really want everybody to kind of tune in here, okay? Joe Biden said before this election that if Democrats were able to keep Congress, that he would move to codify abortion federally into law. And the Republicans performed so poorly that that almost came true. Again, we're assuming that Republicans will end up taking the House. So if he does try to codify abortion federally into federal law, the Senate will obviously go along with him. And we would just have to hope that Republicans could stay together because it looks like they're going to have a single digit majority in the House. But just think about that. When people are talking about, oh, you know, don't bring, you know, your morality into the voter booth with you or any of those types of things. Well, guess what? There were a bunch of people that took their atheistic morality into the the voting booth, their pro baby murder, baby sacrifice uh, ideology into the voting booth. And look what happened. Because what I thought Joe Biden was doing, and I think I said this on one of the shows leading up to this, is that he knew they were going to lose the House and par- probably lose the Senate. So he could just, you know, say that, say that he was going to codify it in the law and be, you know, gosh darn it. We were so close to being able to codify it into law because nothing was stopping him from codifying it into law over the last two years when he already had both houses of Congress and plenty of a majority there. And so there, there's no reason to say that he couldn't have you know, forced that through at this point, but he was just kind of saying it to have something to say but he was literally this close to being able to pull that off and make it happen. Now, to kind of wrap up my random thoughts, we need to talk about early voting just a little bit. Because I think that we need to get rid of early voting almost entirely. But as with most things, when people get used to doing something new, they're just going to keep that. They're not going to go back on that. So I think there should be very, 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 very few exceptions for people that need to vote early. So I'm thinking military folks or people that are maybe in the hospitals or nursing homes or something like that. I think there's uh, ways for, for people to do that. But to open up voting for weeks and weeks before Election Day. Just for people to on their whim whenever they find it convenient to go and do that. I find that to be silly because here's the thing is if you can't make it to your polling station on the day of voting, even though you have like two years to prepare for that date, you shouldn't vote. Like there are a lot of people like, Hey, everybody should vote. I'm not, I'm not big on that. I hate the fact that there are so many uneducated voters that vote for things that they don't even understand. You know, I'm, I'm glad they have the right to do that. But at the same time, it's like, look, if you can't get off a random Tuesday in November and you have two years to prepare for it, to get a babysitter, to take off work, to convince your boss, to give everybody the day off so they can go vote or whatever the situation is, you just shouldn't be voting. And here's the thing. Like, honestly, somebody out there, Like, send me an email, info at undaunted.life. Somebody make a good argument for why we shouldn't just vote on one day and on paper ballots. So, like, in in the UK, they still do paper ballots for everything, and you vote on one day. And they have no issues with elections, no issues with corruption. Because I really don't see the advantage of having tons of early voting and voting machines that can malfunction or be tampered with or be hacked into. Like, that's part of the reason why we haven't seen returns for the state of Arizona right now, because almost immediately... Like one of the first notifications I got when I woke up last night was that the voting machines in Arizona are messing up already. Well, it was, you know, a few hours after I woke up, but the voter machines in Arizona are already messing up. You know, they're misreading ballots at a clip of about 25 to 30%. People that are putting in their ballots that were voting for the Republican candidates for Senate and governor and all those different things, they were being spit back out of the machine. And then when you do a little bit of research, the person in charge of the voting in the state of Arizona is the secretary of the state of Arizona, who just so happened to be the gal that was running for governor on the Democratic side of the ticket. She is in charge of that. And then we see all the chicanery happening in the state of Arizona. Okay. If you have paper ballots and you have plenty of people watching it that are of both parties or a libertarian party at a third party or a fourth party with independence, then what is, what is the major thing we gain from having it with machines as opposed to paper ballots? I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I also literally don't know the answer to this question, but why don't they count the early ballots before voting day like it makes no sense to me at all that the early voting should slow down the process of counting the votes because presumably you could have counted them before the polls even opened on election day now maybe people are like oh we don't want the you know results of early voting to be leaked and all that and, and maybe that's fine but there's i think the state of pennsylvania they won't even allow you to start counting the early votes until voting closes and i think it closes at like 7 or 8 p.m eastern time and so why in the world would you do that Like, if you have a whole lot of people voting early, go ahead and count those people so that you're not worried about it on Election Day when you're trying to count everybody else. There's no excuse why we have to sit around right now. Again, this is, you know, I don't know, 16 hours after the polls closed or something like that last night, and we're still waiting around on results. State of Oklahoma, every race is decided. State of Florida, every race is decided. But we have all these other very important states where it's like, oh, we're not exactly sure yet. There's got to be a better way. And I, I think what I, the main reason why we should get rid of early voting, and this is just so important, especially for the race in Pennsylvania, is you can't know everything that happens during a campaign until the very, very end of the campaign. And, and the thing is, is like, if you're not motivated enough to vote on election day, then you, you shouldn't have your voice heard. Like I know people that love to lament and cry and complain about what's going on in politics and they've never voted. It's like, I'm sorry, but your opinion just doesn't carry much weight. You want to sit there and complain about everything, but you've never got your butt over to a polling station. You've never gotten your butt up and, and went and registered to vote. But the thing about it is like with this early voting, a lot of early voting happened in the state of Pennsylvania before the debate between Dr. Oz and Fetterman, where Fetterman literally looked like a person that couldn't string a sentence together because he couldn't string a sentence together. Now, again, Dr. Oz was a horrifically stupid and terrible candidate, but don't you think that there were a lot of people that cast their votes for Fetterman because they were just generic Democrat and then they saw him in person and they were like, oh no. But at this point, you've already turned in your vote. You can't go back and change it. So that's another reason why I think early voting should basically just be done away with. Now, there's a few things here that I want to talk about in terms of election results that no one is talking about, but then I'm going to get into some lessons Republicans should learn and some predictions for the future. But a few things to talk about disgusting pro-abortion measures were approved in five different states last night. California, which we saw coming, but then also Kentucky, Michigan, Montana, and Vermont. So all these voters sadly voted for these pro-abortion laws or things to go in the books there in their states, and none of the races were particularly close. Now, with Vermont and Michigan and California, you could basically assume it would be that way, but with Kentucky and Montana, it wasn't particularly close either. And again, this shows the power of marketing. Because all the things I said earlier about all the money that was dumped into all these states about abortion, the same thing happened in the state of Kansas a couple of months back whenever they they were able to basically allow for some mo- more pro-life legislation on the books and the constitution of that state. And it was roundly defeated, like 60-40 or something like that. It was an absolute shellacking. And it was because women... And dummies have bought into the lie that are put into all these ads. And I mean, this is a call to anybody in the pro-life space to whether that's 40 Days for Life or live action or, or any politicians that support that. You need to like, you know, 5x, 10x, 20x what you're doing. Because literally all the Democrats were doing was dumping all this money. So when Democrats are like, oh, we're not pro-abortion, well, let's just look at their ads this news cycle. They spent more on abortion than they did on anything else. And the second place thing was not even close in terms of issues that they put out there for the electorate. That's another reason why I think I may be proven right that the abortion issue had an outsized impact on this election is because Democrats spent way more money on this one issue than anything else. They didn't spend a bunch of money on democracy is going to potentially die. And they didn't spend money on this is how we're going to fix the economy. They didn't spend money on, you know, it's okay that all these uh, people are just coming across the border and, and there's no big deal. They spent all their money on abortion. And they they won by all intents and purposes. They won last night, right? But also, Weed was on the ballot. A lot last night. So Missouri and Maryland voters they voted to legalize marijuana for recreational use, and then we had Arkansas, North Dakota, and South Dakota voters that voted to not legalize marijuana for recreational use. So I'm not going to go a lot into this, but uh, this is a really, really terrible thing for these states and for these societies. So specifically Missouri and Maryland, because what dumb people say is like, oh, the only way we're going to get rid of the black market of marijuana in our state is if we, you know, approve legal weed, and then all of a sudden the black market will go away and drug dealing will go away. Well, if that were true in states like Washington and California and and Colorado, why are the black markets bigger than they've ever been? You have to ask yourself that question. Why are there more drug dealers than there have ever been in those states could have something to do with the fact that whenever you have a store that is approved by the state that charges taxes and all those different things, and that is all paid through them, that there's not going to be an entity that's going to try to undercut them. Because of course they will. And whenever it's legalized in a state, guess what? More people are going to want to do that particular thing. And so you're going to have a wider market of people that are looking for discounted weed. Also, when you have something like that, that is legal, you significantly increase the chances of children using it because people in their life are going to be able to more easily get it and then give it to them. And if you know anything about marijuana use, you know that especially for preteens and teens, it is horrific for them. And there are some outsized negative consequences for them. You have schizophrenic breaks, you have major mental issues. It does become a gateway for other drugs that they use once they stop getting what they want from the hits of weed and all that. So weed was on the ballot, but today's not an episode about. That we need to move into how Republicans should respond to what happened last night. I say should respond to what happened last night because I know they're not really going to learn the lessons that they should, but you know, we need to talk about it anyway. The first lesson that they should have learned from last night is if you have no unified message, you will lose. If you don't have a unified message, you will almost certainly lose. Okay, so Republicans have to have a unifying message. But Democrats apparently don't, because apparently the Democratic message of we'll destroy the economy, you know, we'll make sure there's a bunch of crime in the streets, we'll make sure you can conveniently and legally murder your children, you know, we'll make sure that doctors can mutilate gender-confused children, we'll make sure millions of illegals can walk across the border. Apparently, that message works. That message resonates. These messages work when your party is unified, as I talked about earlier, unified in the struggle for power. Because Democrats proved it again. It does not matter who you put up. They will vote for them. It does not matter how bad things are going in that precinct or in that state or in that country. They will vote for the person wearing the blue tie. They will do it. Republicans need to really, really think about that. Another lesson that Republicans should learn from the response to everything that happened last night is for the love of God, stop running terrible candidates. Like, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but again, Mehmet Oz, Herschel Walker. Like, these were the people that you thought were going to win these races? Like, my goodness, put better people in these positions to win. Another lesson, and this is going to rub some people the wrong way, and I'm all here for it, okay? So I've already given you my email address. I'll give it to you again at the end, and I'll give it to you again now. Info at undaunted.life. So guys, listen to me. I've talked about this before, but listen to me, listen in, because now I've got all the goods from yesterday. It's time to officially move away from Trump. That's what Republicans should learn about from last night. Okay. It's time to move away from Trump, but I don't think they will because here's the thing for all the MAGA people out there. And, you know, if you look at the, the country and the electorate, you know, it's maybe 20, 25, 30% of the electorate are like MAGA people, you know, Trump's the best, you know, he basically took all the bullets. So we wouldn't have to, he fought for me, blah, blah, blah. Those, those types of people, the people that voted for him, in the general election and the primary in 2016 and voted for him again in 2020, those people. Okay. For the MAGA people out there, you have to see the writing on the wall. And you have to jump out of the plane before it crashes. Because last night, Trump endorsed candidates, for the most part, got smacked. They got smacked right across the face. A lot of Democrats did something that they thought was going to backfire here in the last you know few weeks of the campaign. But they poured tons of money into pro-MAGA, pro-Trump candidates in the Republican primaries. Right? Democrats poured money into the Republican primaries because they thought it would be much easier to defeat MAGA candidates than it would be for some other generic Republican. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. The Trump-endorsed candidates did not perform well essentially anywhere. Also, this is incredibly damning for people that are big MAGA people. The exit polling last night showed Trump to have a 37% favorability rating. Trump is not in power right now. Trump is not on Twitter right now. So Trump has been out of the collective consciousness, for the most part, of the electorate for about two years. And exit polling showed him to have a 37% favorability rating. 37%. And Donald Trump, again, is not somebody that can control himself. So in the days before the election, he's going out and doing these, these events and these rallies, and he's calling Ron DeSantis' names. And he's getting after Republicans that haven't sufficiently supported him in the past or people that he claimed begged for his endorsement. Like he's getting after these people and he's pointing to himself and how he was robbed of the 2020 election in the middle of an election cycle where you presumably want Republicans to win every open seat. He literally could not control himself long enough. And he kept hinting to his followers again his base which is a very very small portion of the uh, overall electorate of the country he kept hinting hey i've got big news hey i'm going to announce this big thing right after the midterms and we all know what that is it's that he's going to be running for president again but again if we can forget about trump that would have potentially been better for a lot of these republican candidates because again the overwhelming populace in the united states does not like donald Trump. Okay." And again, whatever you think about January 6th, that's your opinion. But the opinion of the generic electorate or the generic voter here in the United States is that he is at least somewhat responsible for that. And that was, he got beat by Joe Biden by millions of votes and in the electoral college before January 6th happened. So literally make a, an argument for how he's the guy how, that is going to lead the Republican party to victory in two years. Donald Trump the former president. And here's the other thing. Even if he does win, he only gets four more years. So you already need to be looking, even if he wins to what's going to happen next, because he can't serve another term after that. Okay. So this is the big thing of all the things that Republicans should have learned last night. This one that I'm about to say is the big one. It's time to go all in on Ron DeSantis. And I know I've said before, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I don't just want to support Ron DeSantis. I want to, you know, have, you know, Nikki Haley get a shot at Marco Rubio and and uh, Ted Cruz and Tim Scott and, you know, just random Republicans, generic Republicans like they they should all should get a chance. It shouldn't just be Trump. I'm all about going all in on Ron DeSantis now, because as I said earlier in this show, Ron DeSantis single handedly turned a purple state into a red state in less than four years. And not just a red state, a deep red state. yesterday in Florida, Republicans won Miami-Dade, the county of Miami-Dade. They hadn't won there in 20 years. That is a heavily blue district, or it was. And it was a heavily purple district, or it was. Now it's a red district. Miami-Dade, one of the most liberal places in all the country, went red last night. Okay, Ron DeSantis did that. Because the thing about Ron DeSantis, he is everything that Trump is, but he's young and under control. Because again, everyone's concerned about Joe Biden's age and and for good reason, the guy can barely talk, he can barely walk, but Donald Trump's going to be close to 80 years old by 2024. Is that the guy? Is that the leader of the Republican party? Is that the leader of the future? I don't think so. So Ron DeSantis is a younger guy. He's in his forties. He's still got all the energy, but he governs so unbelievably well, but he still fights the culture war. And he does that incredibly well. And so you have Trump, who's all about dunking and all those different things. And when he was in office, especially the first three years, the legislation was fantastic. A lot of things that he did was absolutely fantastic. I've talked about that a lot on this show. But again, Ron DeSantis, he's the guy you want moving forward in the future. Because here's the other thing about Ron DeSantis. So you can only serve two consecutive terms as governor in the state of Florida. Okay, so after these next four years, he's going to be out anyway. Okay? So if you assume that he's just going to not do uh if he's just going to not, you know, run for president in 2024, basically what you're assuming is in 2026 when his second uh governor's uh, you know, time or whatever is over, that he's just going to sit on his hands for another 2 years having been been nowhere in government and then run for president in 2028 and win? Is that possible? Yes, it's certainly possible, but typically people are already in political positions when they're running. So if you're the person that's like, yeah, yeah, Ron DeSantis eventually, but Trump now, what you're saying is you're, you're basically limiting the chances that Ron DeSantis is going to have because again, he's got four more years. So that gets us to 2026 and then that's two years before the next election. It's not like he's going to get a spot in a Democratic run White House. It's not like he's going to get a spot in a Trump White House. Like it's going to be a, a very, very negative thing if he's going to be sitting around doing nothing for two years and then running for president in 2028, okay? So if you're a Republican, you have to ask yourself, Okay, you really got to ask yourself this question. In 2024, which is two years from now, right? Do you want a night like last night in Florida? Or do you want a night like last night in the rest of the country? Because again, when I left Jiu-Jitsu last night, I looked at my phone and I saw the red wave that had completely taken over Florida, that Rubio won by a a huge margin and that DeSantis won, won by a huge margin. I was like, all right, buckle up, red tsunami, it's coming. And then it just didn't. Basically, every other race that everybody was excited about turned out negatively for the Republican side. So what do you want? Do you want more of that? Because I think that's exactly what you're going to get if you put all of your support behind a guy like Donald Trump, which I think, again, and I've said this and I've gone on the record, I think Donald Trump loses to every one of the major Democratic candidates. So if something happens to Joe Biden, which I'm praying that that doesn't happen, I don't want anything negative for him as a person. I think Donald Trump loses to Kamala Harris, who is deeply terrible and awful. If Hillary Clinton jumps back into the race, he loses to her. I think he loses to Gavin Newsom. I think he loses to Pete Buttigieg. I think he loses to Oprah. I think he loses to Michelle Obama. I think he loses to The Rock. I said (laughs) Obama. Michelle Obama. You know, that was funny. Freud was right, I guess. He loses to Dwayne Johnson. He loses to just about anybody the Democrats could run out there because that is how deeply unpopular Donald Trump is, okay? Again when he's on the ballot whether literally or figuratively republicans underperform okay so republicans what do you want for 2024 you really have to think about that because again i voted for donald trump in the general election 2020 because i thought he did enough to prove his conservative bona fides that i you know he was going to be a guy that i could vote for and guess what if he's representing the republican party in 2024 i'll vote for him again but is that the guy that thinks that you think is going to give you the best chance not only to win the white house but to flip all these other seats look if you can make the rest of this, like it's not make America great again, it's make America like Florida, right? Again, eight years ago, a purple to blue state now deeply red. Uh, One guy is mainly responsible for that. That's Ron DeSantis. Okay. Now I need to give you guys my very, very early predictions for 2024 because here we are talking about the future and all that. And I'll get into that more here in a second, but here are my predictions. I think that Joe Biden will certainly run for reelection, but he will not Fully serve out a second term. So that's what I, I basically—you can kind of see the the writing on the wall. I think he will win a second term, but I don't think he's—he serves it all out. I think he will probably bow out at some point, uh, which means he may even kick Kamala to the curb before 2024, before she's his running mate again, because she would basically be next in line. You know, we'll see. He doesn't really need her anymore. And she's been absolutely awful as vice president. But I think Joe Biden runs for reelection. I think Donald Trump wins the Republican nomination with Ron DeSantis running a distant second. Unfortunately, I think Joe Biden very easily beats Donald Trump and even by a wider margin than he did in 2020. But then in 2024, I think Republicans would keep the House, maybe even increase their House uh, Margin a little bit, but then Republicans will take the Senate. And the, the reason why is because this was the, the election cycle where Republicans had a bunch of hard races that if they won, was going to set the, the Senate up for two years from now to potentially go for a super majority. Because there's a lot of very uh, bad uh, blue candidates or people that are coming up for reelection in 2024 that are very, very, very winnable, very likely winnable for Republicans. So if Republicans had gotten to like 54 seats in the Senate, uh, which they are not going to be anywhere near that with this election cycle. They literally had a 60-vote supermajority in their sights. So I think Joe Biden wins a second, uh, uh, a second time against uh, Donald Trump. And then from there, Donald Trump maybe moves on, as I've talked about before. Donald Trump's definitely going to run when he decides he doesn't want to run. I think he's going to endorse Trump Jr. or Ivanka or something like that. They're going to try to make uh, the Trumps, the new Bushes or, or something like that. They're going to try to make that a reality. And overall, this is a terrible, terrible thing for Republicans overall, because Donald Trump is going to suck all the air out of the room. So if Ron DeSantis runs against him, which I do think Ron DeSantis will do, uh, he's just not going to have uh, the popularity. He's not going to have the the charisma. He's not going to have the, uh, I guess, the, the, The motivation from uh, the voter base, he's not going to be able to raise the amount of money. But let's just play this out a little bit since we're already kind of dealing with the future. Let's say Ron DeSantis does somehow beat Donald Trump and become the, the nominee for the Republican Party in 2024. I think Donald Trump will do what he did after he lost the 2020 general election. Look what he did in the state of Georgia. He's almost single-handedly responsible for the fact that the state of Georgia rep- or voted for two Democrats to get into the United States Senate, one of them being Raphael Warnack, who is the uh, now the incumbent who's probably going to be Herschel Walker, very, very likely to be Herschel Walker. That's Donald Trump's fault because he basically said, you know, the election in Georgia, it's fixed, it's rigged, you know, you guys shouldn't even vote. And you know what Republicans did? They didn't vote. And the problem is is again remember what happened with you know the 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 unified uh, votes that come from the Democratic Party or whatever they're never going to allow what happened in 2016 to happen again where Bernie Sanders voters stayed home and sat on their hands and then those were the votes that were needed for Donald Trump to be able to be beaten by Hillary Clinton and those people didn't vote but if these always trumpers if these maga people can't get behind Ron DeSantis and they sit around and don't vote all those states that are going to be you know toss up states they're all going to go to Joe Biden because Republicans don't have the votes generically to be able to lose people to the independent party or lose people to the libertarian party or lose people because they just don't want to show up. I think it's a disaster no matter what, if Donald Trump runs, you know, I could be wrong again, there's two years between now and then, but you know, we'll just have to see. Uh, The main point, I guess, with all of this before we wrap up is that elections have consequences. You know, Albert Mueller says that all the time. A lot of people say it all the time, but elections have consequences. So again, if you're one of those people that, that sits up and laments about how horrible things and how terrible things are all the time, and you don't go out there and vote, that's a you problem. I mean, so many of you guys spend all your time focused on whether or not your team you know, is going to sign that player in the offseason, or whether or not they won the playoffs, or whether or not they did this, or, or whether they're going to get into the championship, or if they're going to get relegated, like whatever your sport is, there's all those concerns. And guess what? You don't have the, the single, a single thing that you could do to affect that outcome. There's nothing that you can do to help your favorite team win a damn thing. Nothing. And yet, in politics, you do have something you can do. You can get the word out about your candidate that you think would be better for your community, your candidate that you think will be better for the greater community of the United States of America. And yet, you don't put nearly as much time or effort into that. Okay? But elections have consequences, guys. These people that are going to be in these positions of power are going to do things to either make your life better or to make it worse. They're going to do things that are either going to lead to human flourishing or not. And we're seeing a lot of that right now. And think about how much worse it would be if if Republicans didn't at least take the House. I've already talked about Joe Biden saying he wanted to codify abortion law federally. Right? just think about what that would do for human flourishing, because as we've seen, we've seen dozens of abortion facilities closed. And we've seen, you know, uh, I think the estimate was up to 10,000 babies have been saved so far since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Okay, so elections have consequences. You don't get those three conservative justices that voted for the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey if you didn't get Donald Trump into office. We'd be living in a very, very different country right now. But before we leave, I do want to give a quick word about what I'm seeing a trend, you know, even in myself, but certainly in a lot of other people. And this may seem a little bit uh, vapid considering the last 50 minutes of this podcast have been spent just on politics. But I want to talk to the people that are living their lives in two-year cycles. So you are living your life absorbed by the election cycles, by off-year elections, and by general elections. You're living that way. Because people are already talking about 2024. We talked about a lot on this show already, and for good reason. We talk about faith, culture, and politics. We're going to talk about it all if it doesn't make you comfortable. There are 2.5 million podcasts out there. You don't have to listen to mine. But people are already talking about 2024 and what this could be and what this could mean for that. And, you know, a lot of these people, they get paid to have these opinions. And so, yeah, sure, they should do that. But to the Christian men out there, do not fall into the trap of living your life in election cycle years. Right? People you know, talk about dog years and different things like that. There are people that live their lives waiting for the next election cycle because that's where they get their meaning if their guy or gal wins, right? Because here's the thing. Regardless of the outcome of the election, Jesus is still risen. God is still in control, which is not to say, I'm not going back on what I said just a few minutes ago, that elections have consequences because they do but that shouldn't be everything that we focus on. Again, go back to Psalm 139, 23 through 24, which I led the podcast off with. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This was very, very convicting for me when I read it this morning, because last night when I left jujitsu, I felt anxiety in my gut before I looked at my phone, hoping that the, the candidates that I wanted to win would win. And again, those are real-world consequences. If your team lost a World Series, that's not a real-world consequence. If your team's not going to make the playoffs in the NFL this year, like if you know, your, your favorite player in the NHL got hurt and is out for the season, like that's not a consequential thing for you in your life. I mean, come on. You've got kids. You've got a community that you live in. You've got a business. You work somewhere. Like, Dude, like these things are ridiculous. But here I am, anxious about the results of an election in a bunch of precincts that I can't legally vote in, right? I was anxious about that. And hey, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Why was I so anxious? And then I was doing some other Bible reading this morning, and I had a few other things that I wanted to kind of bring out to you. So Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. There's a lot of discouragement this morning. And for good reason. People are somewhere between discouraged and completely pissed off. And I get it right? When you think your side's going to win, when you think the country's going to move in a particular direction, then it doesn't. It can be very, very discouraging. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then if we look at Isaiah 55, uh, verses 8 through 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So again, it's very, very easy for us to get lost in the news cycle. Again, I know we talk about the news cycle a lot on the show and for good reason. Whenever pastors don't talk about the news cycle and then you're confused about what to do, I think that's a bad thing. So we try to, like, you know, bridge some of that gap. But if that's all you're focused on, this is the reason why we're talking about this at the end after spending almost an hour on the other stuff. If that's all you're focused on and that's what you're worried about, you got to think God's probably looking down on you, like, really, dude? Really? These birds out here, like, they're taken care of. That's scriptural. Like, he knows, he knows the number of hairs on your head. Like he's so focused on, on his glory and providing for his children of which you are one. Right. And your thoughts about what the world's going to look like. Just think about, you know, people talk about all the time. Like the thing that you thought was the biggest thing in the world when you were 16, when you're 40 years old, you look back and you're like, Oh, that was so stupid. You know, I, I, I thought my world was over because we broke up or I thought my world was over. Cause I didn't get that job. or I thought my world was over. Cause I didn't get into that college. And you look back and you're like, eh, not that big a deal. Right. Think about this election cycle. Maybe, maybe you shed tears last night. Maybe you punched a wall. Dude, twenty years from now, you're not going to be thinking about that. And last thing I want to share with you is Philippians four verses six through seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guys, our hope is not in the Republican Party. Our hope is not in the Independent Party. Our hope is not in the libertarians, certainly not with the Democrats, right? And regardless of the the world that you live in or the country that you live in, rather, those are not the people that you can put your entire hope and trust in. Now, I think we should vote for candidates that have biblical values that you know lead to human flourishing. I think that is something we should absolutely do. But that is not the be all end all point. The be all end all point is there was a Middle Eastern Jew that around 2000 years ago was walking this earth doing ministry. And because of that, And because God sent him here for this purpose, he was killed on a Roman cross at the behest of the Jewish Sanhedrin. And three days later, he rose from the dead, showed himself to hundreds and hundreds of people before he ascended back to heaven to the right hand of the Father. And if you just believe in him, if you put your faith in that, and if you repent from your sins, you can have everlasting life. Because no matter what happens on this planet, right? No matter what happens, there's an everlasting life for all of us. And it's either going to be at the right, it's going to be near the Father, or it's going to be in hell. That's the choice that you get to make, okay? So I know it might be weird for some of you to hear you know, hear the gospel here at the end, but that is the ultimate faith that we have. You know, I've had this thought a lot. You know, I'll be watching Tucker Carlson or listening to Ben Shapiro or, or something like that, and I just think to myself, if I were to die in a car accident today, Tucker Carlson's still going to do his show tonight. I mean, he's going to, still going to do it tomorrow, next week, and a month from now. All these people that I listen to and they get you so wound up about the news cycle and things that are going on. And again, I do the same thing on this show. Life's just going to go on. But your life on this planet is now over. And so it's your eternity that is now the focus, right? And if you don't have your affairs in order, you're probably not going to like the outcome of where you end up. So you need to reckon with. And if you're one of those people that's on the fence, I know there are atheists and agnostics that listen to this show. We're so happy to have you. You need to cry out to Jesus as if he's real and see if he reveals himself to you. You need to go to the scriptures, start in the book of John, just read and ask God to reveal himself to you. And I think you'll be astonished by what you find. So guys, I know this was kind of an all over the place episode, but this stuff is important. We got to talk about it, but before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping them into back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So again, just a reminder, go to the Origin website to check out the full line of Origin and Jocko Fuel products, geese, jeans, boots, protein, energy drinks, supplements, all that stuff. Use the promo code Undaunted to get 10% off your order. Not Kyle anymore. It's Undaunted U N D A U N T E D to get 10% off your order. Now, the links I've got for you today, I've got a link to the Movember website. So again, if you want to grow a wonderful stash like this, make sure you post it online and tag us. But then go to that website to learn more about what they're doing to help out men with their health. And then also a link to where you can become a donor to Undaunted Life. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I N F O at Undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on facebook and check out our website for everything else including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way go to www.undaunton.life and also we want to thank the band august burns red for allowing us to use their music for our content the music on this podcast is their song cutting the ties which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah